A good friend whom I love a great deal shared with me her experience of abortion. Years before becoming Catholic, she found herself alone and pregnant. Her instinct was to keep her child, but the loud and numerous voices around her said that to be a mother was a burden, a certain death to her success and career and future. Her own mother recalled stories of trial as a single mother and told her that she should not face the same burden. Imagine that, your own mother talking you into an abortion because you as her child were an impediment to her comfort. She proceeded to end the life of her unborn child and with it she expressed a big piece of her own self also died. Before her abortion, she was tied to the yoke of popular thought on motherhood its burdens and restrictions. After her abortion, another yoke, one of regret, embarrassment, depression, anger, and bitterness. One yoke leads to the other yoke. One lie leads to the other lie. And each leads the person to become a slave to unhappiness. Then my friend discovered the Catholic Church in Christ's gift of the Sacrament of Reconciliation. She has since had beautiful encounters with our Lord and His great love for her. She's free of the terrible yokes that once enslaved her heart and is able to live in the reality of Christ's forgiveness and freedom. Now she spends her days ministering to other people in a variety of ways and advancing the mission of Christ's church to help make others into disciples and disciple makers. I offer you her story, my friends, as we celebrate the decision of the U.S. Supreme Court. It happened on the solemnity of the sacred heart of Jesus. The Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade in a historical 6-3 decision released Friday that brings a sudden and dramatic end to nearly a half century of nationwide legal, legalized abortion in the U.S. And yes, it was worth applauding, but everyone that just clapped and everyone who didn't, we have a lot more work to do, and I'm going to get to that. The opinion in the Mississippi abortion case of Dobbs versus Jackson's Women's Health Organization is wild, widely seen as the Supreme Court's most highly anticipated and consequential ruling since Roe. It not only overturns Roe, the landmark 1973 abortion case, but also Planned Parenthood versus Casey, a 1992 decision that affirmed Roe. This is what the court said. Abortion presents a profound moral question. The Constitution does not prohibit citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. 
Roe and Casey arrogated that authority, the opinion states. We now overrule these decisions and return that authority to the people and their elected representatives, the justice stated jointly. So let me be clear now. This decision does not ban or criminalize abortion nor does it recognize an unborn child's constitutional right to life. But in one breathtaking stroke, the court's action sweeps away the entrenched legal barriers created and then strictly enforced by the federal judiciary that for decades have blocked states like Mississippi or Ohio from heavily restricting or prohibiting the killing of unborn children in the womb. In the process, the decision ushers in a new era of work for the pro-life movement, for you and I that just applauded, with the battleground now shifting to state legislatures. Those, those democratically elected bodies are now free to debate and regulate abortion as they see fit as happened throughout American history before the Supreme Court federalized the issue of abortion. In today's second reading from Galatians 5, we hear St. Paul teach us, brothers and sisters, for freedom Christ set us free. So stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. What that means for us is today we have a freedom returned to us that never should have been taken away from us. The freedom of each state, like the freedom here in the state of Ohio to advocate as Christians for the dignity of human life, born and unborn, and to enact laws that protect the life of a baby in the womb of his or her mother. As St. Paul tells us then, Today we need to stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery, to the terrible lie of abortion, and to help other people find healing and alternatives to the scourge of abortion. Currently, thankfully, state lawmakers in at least 18 states have already enacted so-called trigger laws. They've done this before Roe uh, was, was appealed. Have, have, have enacted so-called trigger laws to protect unborn life immediately in the event of Roe's repeal. Meaning now with few exceptions, abortion is now illegal in over a third of our country. In other states, such as Arizona, Nebraska, South Carolina, West Virginia, and Georgia, state lawmakers have passed trigger pro-life measures, such as bans on certain methods of abortion, bans on abortion done for eugenic purpose reasons, and bans on abortion after a fetal heartbeat can be detected. In fact, that's the state that we're in right now, here in Ohio. In 2019, our elected officials, our state lawmakers passed a heartbeat bill. And then Governor DeWine signed that heartbeat bill into law, banning all abortions after the heartbeat of a baby can be detected, which now, thanks to modern technology, 
can be detected as early as six weeks. However, due to Roe and Casey, a federal judge immediately put an injunction on this Ohio heartbeat law. But on Friday, the Ohio Attorney General, Dave Yost, filed a motion in federal court to dissolve the injunction now that Roe and Casey has been overturned. Now, the work continues in Ohio to encourage our state lawmakers to pass a bill banning abortion in Ohio completely. There are other states, most notably Colorado, Washington, D.C., and New York, that still allow abortion up to the point of the birth of a baby. Eighteen other states have passed some form of explicit protection for abortion. States like California and Illinois. In a few cases, state Supreme Courts have even somehow found a right to abortion in their state constitutions, such as Alaska and Montana. Going forward, state elections will become even more important than ever in regards to the struggle to protect human life at all stages of life. Therefore, it is very critical in states such as Ohio and other states for us to make sure, sure we learn and discern each candidate for state representative and state senator, to let persons who share our values and beliefs and the urgency to uphold the dignity of the human person made in the image and likeness of God and worthy of life. On Friday, as I mentioned, we celebrated the feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. This great solemnity is a reminder to us all of the unconditional love that Jesus has for each and every one of us, born and unborn. The love that Jesus has for you and me sitting in a church on Sunday morning and striving for authentic discipleship, and the love that Jesus has for folks like my good friend who committed an abortion and who has experienced Jesus' great love, forgiveness, and freedom. We read in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God willed and desired our existence before we were even conceived in our mother's womb. Even with all of our sins and shortcomings, God willed us into being and loves us with an intensity that we cannot even fathom. This love is offered to all of us, including men and women who have experienced the terrible lie of abortion and long for God's forgiveness, mercy, new life, and freedom. This love is what the sacred heart of Jesus is all about. God's love for all of his people. And that is what we must continue to offer society as Christians. As people who are pro-life. Pro-human life. Human life that we profess is from the scriptures and believe in life that is made in the image and likeness of our God. 
human life worth defending and protecting, supporting and accompanying, and not just the baby, but the mother. Precisely because God loves and values each and every human life. Yes, it is appropriate that we celebrate the overturning of Roe versus Wade, which legalized abortion in this country. Abortion is a grave violation of the respect and dignity due to every human person. It is because of the work of the Catholic Church specifically and the prayers and sacrifices of so many people of goodwill across our nation in the pro-life movement that we have come to see this day. We have never given up. Also, also, we have to thank that we have justices who actually adjudicate from what is called the natural law. The principles of the natural law have been the foundations of law in Western culture for centuries. And natural law, if you don't know your history, was put together by the Catholic Church as it was cradling the formation of the European states and cultures over the centuries. Natural law is the foundation of a democratic society. And natural law, if you don't know, its foundation is divine law. While we rejoice in Friday's decision, we must also keep in mind that our work as Catholic Christians, along with our brothers and sisters of goodwill across our nation, is not complete. We must continue to work for the protection of the dignity of the human person in a variety of ways. And I say continue because everything I'm about to enumerate, we're already doing, but now we have to increase it. As we work to re restrict and eradicate abortion in Ohio and other states, we also must preserve and increase the good and necessary work of offering healing ministry to those who have been a part of abortion and supporting pregnant mothers who might see and experience motherhood as a burden through crisis pregnancy centers, such as our own Heartbeat Center right here in Newark. In addition, we must further facilitate the work of offering baby-centered and mother-centered services, and not just before but after the birth of a child. Medical assistance, such as free, pre, and then postnatal medical care, maternity homes, and assistance for single mothers to obtain housing for her and her child, and continued education if the mother is still in school or wants to advance her education in college, necessary care items following the birth of the child, such as diapers, formula, and clothing, and then counseling for the mother and the father mentoring and coaching, parenting classes for them, and support, training, and life skills and employment readiness, child care for them, and making adoption much more economically available, easier, and with the legal protections of religious groups able to facilitate adoptions according to God's vision and marriage of family life for the good of the baby, the biological mother, and ado the adopting family in society, rather than submitting to the toxic social agenda of what family is today. It is no coincidence 
that with the rise of abortion in our country, there was a corresponding drop in adoption. And it shows the work of the enemy attacking family from both angles. Abortion, of course, is partly to blame, but also are the mounds of civic legislative laws and executive orders that have made adoption more difficult and more expensive. Adoption laws and procedures need a huge reform in our country, including introducing laws that are pro-marriage and pro-family. Lastly, speaking of marriage and family, in our own parishes, schools, and homes, all of us as Christians have to allow ourselves to be re-evangelized and reintroduced into an abiding, deep, transformative relationship with Christ. And making sure then, so that as we go out and encounter other people and form them, like our children, like our neighbors, in our schools, and so on, we're forming them in the good, the true, and the beautiful of God's vision of human life and sexuality, marriage, and family. So that we all know how to love and treat each other and how to be loved and treated by others and how not to be loved and treated by others. Furthermore, of course, if we are truly pro-life, we must continue to work on behalf of the poor and mar marginalized, the elderly and sick, the handicapped, those sentenced to death, and all those who are considered on the margins of society. In other words, we must continue to spread the love of the sacred heart of Jesus to all people in our society. But to do so, we have to allow ourselves to be formed in the love of the sacred heart that Jesus has for us. How can we transform if we refuse to be transformed as Christians? Listen to this. Let me end with this. Laws are laws. And laws alone will never fully change the heart of persons in our society or remedy the many challenges we face related to the dignity of human life. So we must, with Christ's love and grace, carry forward with the work of changing hearts through creating a culture of community and family, evangelization and discipleship. Here at our own sphere of influence at St. Francis de Sales and then beyond. Once hearts are changed, God can get into the lives of his people he alone then will change minds and change minds so much so that he gets rid of the stupid ideologies that we follow today. When hearts and minds are renewed by the transformation of God's grace, then God will change the way people live their lives. When we live together in this society as people transformed by an encounter with Jesus Christ, then the law of the land will no longer be necessary, whatever that law is, because we will all live by the law of God's love. Along the way to this great destination and work, we as Christ's disciples have much work to do. 
to love him with all of our hearts, minds, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves.